Hello, this edition of RyeCast looks back to the time when one of the country's literary greats visited the fruit and veg show in Rye, but also looks forward to this year's event, which is why I'm in my garden looking through a very miserable looking vegetable patch to see if there's anything worth entering. The potatoes, well, they're fine. The beans were okay. The lettuce actually were fairly good, but the carrots have failed miserably. The insects got the cabbage and the raspberries, well, they didn't really bother at all. The only real success has been the courgettes, which are now huge marrows. This one here is massive. I'll be hearing about this year's show in a moment or two, but first a couple of extracts from Charles Dickens' journal. The author visited the Rye District Cottagers Horticultural Society show in 1852 after seeing a poster about the event in London. He describes his train journey down to Hastings and across to Rye on the new railway, and before going to the show, he had a look around our town. I strolled away to look at the town of Rye, once a seaport, now only a sink port. The sea in it is not very much seen because the harbour choked itself some years ago and is defunct. I believe there is a new channel and a way by which the tide can come up to give the town a little daily kiss. But it must be, I think, a very little kiss. Even now, however, Rye must be a town of enormous importance for it has the privilege of returning men to assist in holding the canopy over sovereigns of Great Britain at their coronation, and a town that is privileged to throw a king into the shade should be a town worth looking at. It is in a fertile district, and its gardens have in them vigour enough, and its gardeners have in them wit enough, to reproduce the biggest bombshells in their pumpkins, to grow mock bullets of all sizes in their peas gods, and to shed the richest blood from the black hearts of cherries. That's a couple of extracts from the Charles Dickens Journal in 1852, read by one of our local actors, Ian Clemen. We'll hear more from him in a moment or two and also get his thoughts on the show itself. But first, Lorna Hall and Helena Hutt are the current organisers of the Rye Flower and Veg Show. And you kind of reinvented it, didn't you? Yeah, but there was nothing here at all as far as we know. Mm. Ryan Bloom was doing quite well and we had a nice little group together for that. So it just seemed a natural progression, I think. We've got a total of 55 categories overall but that's across four classes. The main ones are fruit and veg, flower entries, so they're the kind of main ones. And then in addition to that, we have cookery and photography. The vegetables and the flower sections tend to be mostly the most common things that you would grow. So you have your, your runner beans and the potatoes and the onions and the cabbages. But we always have classes for um, any other vegetable or a, a vegetable not yeah. previously mentioned, I yeah. think. And so, strangest or oddest shaped yeah, vegetable. Funniest, shape uh, vegetable. funniest that's, that's it. Yeah. And so even if your little carrot comes out the ground looking a bit rude, you know, you can enter that as well. Mm-hmm. What's the weirdest one? I could, I could. <laughs> what about the chilli with the willy? <laughs> <laughs> Family radio, please. <laughs> Who enters? Who takes part? Because we'll get on to the Dickens stuff in a moment mm. or two. The Dickens mm. is all sort of holy handed men of the soil, blokes basically. I guess it's not like that these days. No! No. There's a cross section of residents from Rye, people from outside, allotment holders, season gardeners, and people that are new to it because it was, you know, something that they picked up on during Covid and so on. I mean, it, it just kind of reflects the sort of composition. 
of the town, really. I mean, I think statistically there's more women now that have got allotments than there are men. I mean, certainly that's probably the case over on Love Lane where I am. It's quite a kind of equal split, I think. And that is reflected, I think, in the, in the entries. And the ages, and the ages mm. as well. We have yeah. a young little girl who's absolutely brilliant at the end of the last two or three years, and she's mm. still very young, but right through to great-granddads and grandmas mm. and, mm. and everything in between. So it can be quite a family event. Mm. I think it's a great leveller. Gardening is something that brings people together of all types. You're hugely passionate about this. What do you get out of it? It's just great fun, really. I mean, I must admit, the week leading up to it, I start thinking, oh, what if no one enters? What if it all goes wrong? What And so on. But sort of come the day, it's the goodwill, I think, that comes from the people that have entered. And you think, yeah, that was all right. And, I you know, we wouldn't do it yeah. year after no. year if it wasn't. No. There is a lovely feeling afterwards when mm. you've, you get a lot of compliments, I think, mm. from people, who, mm. especially when they've never been before. Mm. I didn't know it was going to be like this. This mm. is great. Oh, I'm mm. going to enter next year. Mm. And there's so that each year gets a little bit more en- enthusiastic. And I think we felt we did drop a little last year. We mm. had a brilliant 15th year, which was our crystal mm. anniversary. Then mm. we had the COVID year. Obviously, we didn't mm. run at all. But then last year, we managed to do it on a lower level and keep it as safe as mm. possible. Mm. But we still had a lot mm. of entries, so there's more enthusiasm. And I think if people could just get over that nervousness about their product mm. not being good enough, we'd have even more. But it, it doesn't matter mm. if it's not. It's a great exhibition for everyone to come and look at in the afternoon. When you see people coming in in the afternoon and they go to see have a look first of all just to have a sneaky peek and see how their exhibit's done but also really to appreciate what other people have put in and then sort of turn to others that and said you told me you didn't have stuff to put in and there you are with all these first prizes so mm. there's a lot of banter isn't there, there is, and there is. it's a fun afternoon really and very competitive so, not overtly so i don't think i mean certainly People generally are quite positive. You don't get too many people that I've heard sort of go around saying, oh, that was up to much or anything like that. And we haven't had any weed killer incidents or anything like that that we know of. Everyone seems to be quite kind Mm. and generous to each other. Well, we're getting to the nitty-gritty of how people can get involved and also what to see and when to see it. But first, let's go back to 1852 and hear what Charles Dickens thought of the show itself. I come to the real exhibition tent in which the glories of the gardens of Rye inspire me with a new enthusiasm. Covent Garden, me, no Covent Gardens. You must go to Rye if you would see potatoes. There is a long table down the middle, upon which are laid out French beans, turnips, cabbages, sweet herbs, apples, plums, hollyhocks, dahlias, nosegays, marigolds, and the honey in which the prince of all the flies might drown himself after a minute of joy that was worth twenty times his principality. Earth has been conquered and taxed handsomely. At the end of the tent, under another elaborate amateur inscription, are the baskets of vegetables or fruit sent in for competition. Exhibitors find their own baskets, and wherefore closed baskets preponderate, there are a few single hand baskets and some little work baskets. Turnips peep bashfully from under cabbage leaves, carrots lie where their colour is wanted, and French beans are dashed in with the touch of a master, and the whole contents connect themselves with the great golden pumpkin as the central point towards which they must all refer themselves in the true spirit of unity. 
Whoever filled that clothes basket with produce had a mind busy within his skull, but I suspect it was some labourer's daughter who would blush presently with pride to see that her home garden is honoured with a prize. So that's Charles Dickens in 1852. What did you think of the journal when you read it? The similarities between the show then and the show now were fantastic. The parallels, the attitude of the people, the attitude of the entries, the way the show was marketed and promoted, that he saw the bill, as he called it, or the poster, as we would, sounded very, very similar to the one we have now. I guess, in a way, it reflects how timeless gardening is, because as technological as everything may become, there's the, the sort of basic need to grow stuff and gain enjoyment from it as well as it you know sort of being a, a staple of life i like the compliments he paid the town as well i thought and the people of the town he seemed very taken with the sink ports the sea the the ruralness here and very flowery in his words as you would expect but i liked all that yeah, he talks about the most refined politeness in the whole spirit and the manner of this little confabulation. It sounds very wry, doesn't it? It certainly does. And it's a good description. I would say it's exactly how we feel when everyone arrives in the afternoon and the, the goodwill and the feeling is the same. It's far more egalitarian, I guess, and possibly the motives behind the, the lot turning up um, in Dickens' day. Certainly the ladies and gents might just have been there to be seen, but certainly the focus when we run the show these days is more on celebrating anything that is homegrown and homemade. Growing your own in recent years has become more and more fashionable, and of course we'd have been growing things now for different reasons than they would in those days, I'm guessing. And the town he described is very recognisable. He talks about the railway line and walking up the rope walk where would have the show been taking place in his day because it wouldn't have obviously been taking place in the community centre no we believe it was in the grounds of a called mountfield which uh, land runs adjacent to the railway line mm. it wouldn't have been surrounded by houses and prop buildings in those days which it pretty much is now but the land is still there and visible from the railway line the railway. yeah so that's what he thought of the show let's hear what he thought about the judges a temporary throne has been made for the president upon the grass. Judges and committee formed a group behind the chair of state. The treasurer was there with funds, the secretary with his cards of honour. For the best-kept cottage garden in each parish, the money prize added to the card was a half-sovereign, and for the next best, a crown piece. To decide upon these garden prizes, the seven judges, men of rank and standing qualified for their voluntary task, had undertaken an aggregate of travelling equal to 400 miles. Forms are brought out, and a gay host of ladies glittering under the sun in an arch before the chairman's seat create for once a rainbow without any cloud. Gentlemen and cottagers and curiosity-seekers of all grades press down over the circle from without, while children, licensed lawbreakers, tumble about them upon the sacred space through which the prize-winners are to march up under a bright fire of eyes to take their honours. No less than 145 prizes are to be distributed, and each prize-holder has to be found and summoned often by as many shouts from mouth to mouth as call a witness into the old bailey. So that's him talking about the judging 150 years ago. Very different now? Yes, we have 
judges from the RHS, a judge from the RHS that judges the flowers, um, vegetables and fruit. We have very good local foodies who judge the food. A local photographer judges photography and so on. Mm. We feel it's very fair judging. With regard to the RHS guy, he's very knowledgeable, very fair, but what's really good is that he will often, as he goes round, make comments and suggestions and say why he thinks a particular entry is better than another one and is quite willing to sort of pass on the knowledge. And in a way, that's a lot about what is nice about the day in as much as yes there's competition to be had and certificates to be dished out but also it's not a that's it for the rest of the year sort of attitude it's the opportunity perhaps for people to think oh yeah I see what's won it that one didn't now I know why all quite positive now my marrows have come on really really well this year they're the only thing that's grown in the garden worth me entering absolutely Absolutely. There is a category for squashes. What I would say is that enter. If come the day it's not quite as you would wish or you think it's not going to uh, reach your required standard, then just give it a go. Or, or if it's not an attractive marrow, you could cut it up and make chutney <laughs> and enter that instead. Yes, there's a, there is, there's, there's a category for that too. So you organise it. And you spend hours and hours and hours making it all work. Do you enter it? Yeah, we both yes. do. <laughs> That's the best bit. Yeah. <laughs> the, the criteria for entering stuff, as far as I'm concerned, is stuff that can be prepared beforehand. Things like upcycled items for the handicraft and chutneys and jams and things like that but if it's stuff that needs picking of the morning then I'm a bit limited on oh, that. Oh no I get up early <laughs> really really early <laughs> and you walk around in the garden and you just see what's good well that was on the days when we could enter on the day mm. but now you have to organise yourself the day before and just go and pick your tomatoes in the morning. You're obviously both very competitive who wins? Uh, it's equal I'd yeah, say would yeah, you? Some, some and some. Uh, Helena's very good at flowers and flower arrangements and making beautiful, beautiful, unusual arrangements. And we've both done recycled items and was, we were quite competitive on that particular year. Mm. What did you make? A clock? Um, so yes, yes, I had a, a clock she made of clock. dominoes. You made a clock? She well, made it, a was, clock. It, it was three bits of pallet wood and then dominoes for the times of the day, like one to twelve. It was brilliant. And a battery-operated bit of uh, clock off of eBay. So they were brought together and it looked interesting. Um, and, and I made a denim a denim to. bag, it was nicer than it sounds, out of a pair of jeans, as you used to do in the 70s. You won't remember that, James. <laughs> <laughs> Are you planning anything as eccentric this year? I couldn't possibly comment. It's all high are, security. I may have a certain one or two things afoot. I shall hold my powder dry until I, the day. I think we need people to come along and see for yes, themselves. Yes, that would be it, yes. <laughs> see yes. the competition <laughs> <laughs> so what else you can make with a ballot <laughs> we'll hear a final bit of dickens in a moment or two but let's talk about rye for a moment or two what brought you to ride Lorna? the house isn't it it's location 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 and you see a property you like and it's in a beautiful position and uh, like the proximity to the beach the coast is fantastic but also the ruralness surrounding us the size of the town is perfect there's enough people here for it to be interesting it takes me an awful long time to go shopping I see so many friends now we've been here 22 years you make a lot of friends quite easily in this town if you throw yourself into things and how long have you lived here a bit longer? A lot longer? Well, um, my husband has long-standing connections with the town. He's always been sort of 
visiting relatives and so on down the years. So uh, ultimately we decided it was a good place to be. One final bit of Dickens in a moment or two, but first thanks to Helena and Lorna. You'll be able to find all details about the show at ryecast.org. But in an echo to modern day Rye, the last train left very early. And in this final extract from Dickens' journal, read by Ian Clemen, Dickens reflects on his day in Rye. The gardens of Rye then flourish, and long may they flourish. I can't wait for the end of the distribution because the last train from this remote and rural spot leaves for London at 20 minutes past five. I must go. It is but a short walk down to the station and as I wait there I look back and see the tent, the flags, the gay and silent group about the presidential chair upon the grass. Here and there a lady and a child or two are coming down the rope walk on their way home to tea. The autumn sun, already casting evening shadows, throws a rich light over them all. The train carries me off, and as it passes quite close to the field, I point out to a fellow passenger the rustic festival. It is a happy scene, he says, and I agree with him. Ian, that's terrific. You've not played Dickens before, have you? No, I've never, ever played Dickens. I've never done any reading for Dickens either. And I can't quite understand why I have it, (laughs) because it is delightful stuff. But it never seems to crop up, certainly not for me, at any extent at all. As an actor, what's it like when you bring to life a really famous voice? Some occasions it's given me a great thrill and a sense of fulfilment. At other times, in fact quite frequently, I've finished and gone back and thought, well, I'm not too sure about that one, we could have done that again. But on the whole, it's more than worthwhile trying. Who's your favourite playwright? Who do you enjoy playing most? I think, above all, it would be possibly some of Akebourne's work. Um, Certainly, I think, top of the list sounds very ordinary, but Shakespeare. What is it about Shakespeare that's so special? It's plots, it's characters, it's um, the tensions, the the humour and the the naughtiness of it very often. And the naughtiness actually comes across your voice really well, because when you were reading Dickens, there's a playful attitude to what he's written it's quite wordy but it's it's very imaginative it's very descriptive but it is also quite playful isn't it yes absolutely in a way because i'd been so had no experience of dickens's work at all this is one of the things that helped carry me through because i do get very nervous on stage and even just readings and there's such strength in the words the portrayals and the whole structure of the piece of work that was really an, an encouraging and enjoying experience and you've moved back down to rye over the last few months. How are you finding it? Oh, it's lovely. I've known Rye for many years. As a young man, my home was in Cranbrook, and a whole crowd of us used to go down to Canberra and make us a nuisance of ourselves in Rye on the way back home. And then we moved eventually back to Tenterden, and my own children then came down this way. So we knew people here also, and that encouraged us to think of a move to Rye. Ian, thanks for chatting with us. I could listen to your voice all day. Oh, my God, I'm, I'm flattered. <laughs> thanks, Ian Clement, for reading Dickens' journal. If you go to the website, there's a link where you can read more about his visit to Rye. It's ryecast.org. 
and thanks to Pat Driver from Rye Players for helping sort things out. The Rye Flower and Veg Show is on Saturday the 3rd of September in the Community Hall on Conduit Hill. All the details at www.ryeflowerandvegshow.co.uk. If you're entering the show, good luck. Wish me luck with my marrows. Remember, you can follow us on social media. It's Rycar Sussex, and it's Rycar Sussex at gmail.com on email. Until next time, goodbye.